Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we're here again for yet another episode, and we've only had actually a very few guests that have come back on a second time, and I'm here with one of them, and someone who already feels like a longtime friend, Latoya Dixon-Smith. Latoya, thank you so much for making time for the Boca Podcast again. Hey, Nathan, thanks so much, and I'm really honored to be back on the podcast. Well, I'm excited for a couple of different reasons. One, we finally actually got a chance to meet in person just a few weeks ago. We'll talk about that here in just a second, but we're going to actually get into a topic today that, well, let's just say we're going to kind of geek out a little bit because we're going to be talking about systems, and this is something that I'm quite passionate about myself. Um, It's something I've tried to implement when it comes to running my businesses, certainly when it comes to the even the idea behind Photographer's Edit. And it's something that we spend a lot of time here talking about on the Boca podcast. The problem is I think that a lot of people have apprehension when it comes to the topic. And I know that you're going to relieve their fears and their ap- apprehensions here in just a bit. So we're going to get to that topic. That's going to be kind of our, our primary focus um, later on. But let's first of all talk about the recent workshop or conference that we had the opportunity to connect in person at the cookout. Uh, will you tell us a little bit and tell our listeners a little bit about that that conference and what your experience was like there? Sure, sure. So the photo cookout is uh, a photography experience um, that was created by Tamaya Colvin of Tamaya Colvin Education. I know I'm I'm not the the brains behind the work, but um, Tamaya has done a really great job of ensuring that speakers of color are being becoming more well represented in our industry. But not only that, we have a lot of talented photographers who even in their own platforms have a great deal of information and um, knowledge to share with the Tamaya Colvin education community, which is comprised of, you know, hundreds of photographers who really just want to learn and improve both technically and in their businesses. And so the photo cookout was really, I would, if I could describe it in one word, it was almost like a family reunion. Yes. Um, I, wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't able to meet you guys there on the first day, but I was so, I had like an immense feeling of FOMO when I saw like the, the photos of the actual cookout that took place. <laughs> yeah. Everyone was like dancing and, you know, doing the line dancing and, and eating and having a good time. I wasn't able to um, join that day because I think it was the same weekend as Hurricane Florence's uh, threat to the Southeast. Yes. I stayed home that week, uh, stayed home that Friday, but was able to come down the next day. But so many faces, so many people whose work I'd been following for a while, folks like Benjamin Davis, G-Day, Kanayo's work, um, so many people who, you know, you just, you just see their work and it's just so amazing. And just to go there to just, fellowship with them. That's why it really felt like a family reunion. Um, but we were also able to to get in to the, the, the workshops themselves and, and learn a lot. Lindsay Weatherspoon, 
she did a great talk on commercial photography. Uh, Karen and, and her husband, Regis uh, Bethencourt of Creative Soul Photography. It was just so great to absorb so much information from so many talented and successful photographers, especially photographers of color, but also do so in a setting that didn't really feel stiff. It didn't feel forced, you know, like your typical networking event. It was just a gathering. It was very comfortable. It was very inviting and it was fun. And I think that is really what differentiated the photo cookout from any other experience that I've had at a conference or workshop. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say you, you summed it up so beautifully and the way that you described it as a family reunion. Um, I think it is an apt description for sure that the, it was, it was certainly a community first vibe and it's, it's still surprisingly, honestly, kind of hard to find that at certain workshops or conferences. The only other one that I can think of um, just off the top of my head that had this intense, a focus on community and the relationships and the connection with people there uh, was United. It had a similar vibe in the sense that it was much, it was very much about the relationships and the connections with people. And then of course there was education and some of the, the photographers that were representing there as speakers were just, I mean, you mentioned G-Day in particular to me was a standout. His work is just stunning and his personality is so magnetic and you just want to have a conversation with him. I'm hoping to have him on the podcast at some point. Lindsay, you mentioned, in fact, I literally just interviewed Lindsay Weatherspoon within the last week or so for the podcast and her episode will be coming out here pretty soon. Uh, there were just, there were, there was such a variety of talent. Um, but again, I have to go back to the community as well, because I actually got to be there for that opening cookout. And I mean, we're, you know, two, three hours into this, this conference of sorts, and it was already one of the better conferences that I had I'd attended just because of the incredible, incredible energy. And I love that. So it was cool to be there. It was cool to get to, to sponsor the conference as well. And then ultimately, I was on the lookout for you because I was hoping that we would get a chance to, to connect in person. And we got to do that briefly. Um, but I love that we're following up in conversation again now, and we're going to take a little bit of a different direction. Last time we had you on back in episode 149, for those of you listening in, if you haven't heard that episode, make sure that you go back and, t- and listen to that. You get to know Latoya a little bit more and hear a little bit about the community that she started and is overseeing as well. That's episode number 149, and we can make sure to link to that in the show notes at bokehpodcast, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com. But um, today we're going to get into kind of another side of what you do. I mean, you have so many sides, which I think is, is absolutely wonderful <laughs> and it's beautiful. And the, the contrast, I talk about this on the podcast, contrast are a beautiful thing to me. And I love that you have all these different sides. We're going to talk about your passion for systems and not only the difference that that's made in your personal life, in your business, but then ultimately what you're doing for other photographers as well. We'll get to that here in just a little bit. But I have to say, you have one of the most beautiful families, the family unit that I have, have seen to date. And I'm hoping at one point or at some point I get a chance to meet your husband as well. But tell us a little bit about how your family's been doing. Oh, thank you so much. That is uh, quite a compliment. <laughs> but the family is doing great. Um, I am entering, well, I just recently entered third trimester of our pregnancy with our second child. And we are expecting them because we are waiting to find out the, the sex of the baby okay. until the birth date. But our due date is actually Christmas Day. So there's lots of things that, you know, we're really looking forward to at the end of the year with the holidays and, you know, family events. But that's kind of like the icing on the cake for whenever whenever the baby comes. But if our family is doing well. Our six-year-old Kent, he started first grade 
back in August. And he's actually at a new school this year. He's in a, a Mandarin immersion program. Wow. Um, and he, yeah, he is loving it so much. And he, I don't know, kids are just like little sponges. They just pick up things so quickly. And it's just amazing to me, like how, how quickly he's picked up Mandarin. And it's funny because whenever we're practicing for his oral tests, there's really nothing I can do <laughs> to really help him prepare. I have definitely been that mom that's been on YouTube trying to, you know, help him out as best I can, especially because Mandarin is such a, is a, is a tonal language. And I could be saying something, I think I'm saying it correctly. And he'll be like, no, mom, that's not how you say it. I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'm glad you know that that's not the correct way and you know the right way, but he's doing well. And my husband too, we're just both kind of getting um, settled in both in our home and and trying to prepare for, for the new addition. But it's been a, a lot of fun um, with the entire family. You know, it, it is interesting how we're able to soak in information so readily as kids and I mean, this is really a loaded topic in and of itself, but I, I still, it's interesting to me how a lot of parents have this tendency of kind of coddling and babying their kids to the extent that I think it actually limits their ability in the long run, or maybe their limits their development or the quickness of their development in the long run. Because if we kind of give kids the respect that, that they deserve in the sense that they are extremely capable, extremely intelligent, and certainly extremely intuitive, even at a very young age, can read us uh, way more or way better than, than we think that they can. Uh, th- I think that would translate to incredible development as children. I mean, it's already very obvious and that Kent is picking up Mandarin the way he is. I grew up in Japan myself, and I was there from about the age of two, And so learning Japanese just came naturally. I was playing with the kids in the neighborhood and I learned to speak fluently and it's still rooted deep within me. And and I still love the opportunity to be able to use that language to this day. And I'm almost 40. I can still carry on a conversation. It would probably take a few months to to get back to where I was at the time. But um, I think it's wonderful that you're giving him that kind of opportunity or encouraging that opportunity to expand his mind at a young age because because that's going to translate uh, down the road in beautiful, beautiful ways. Yeah, it, it's incredible. And I think too, like you mentioned, you know, given, giving children the space to, to be creative and to, to utilize their minds in that, in different ways that maybe we weren't exposed to, or even ways that can challenge them even more. Kent is definitely the type of child where if he's not being challenged, if he's not being stretched in any way, his mind wanders. So it was important for us to make sure that, you know, with the extracurricular activities that he expressed interest in, that he was really being challenged and also adding, you know, the component to the school um, with the new school. He is definitely being challenged. And so are we as parents, because, wow, <laughs> I'm just amazed. Really? Well, that's that's really, really great. And I, and I think, you know, it's interesting you mentioned the significance of being challenged. Uh, there are a lot of scenarios where kids are written off as not intelligent or, uh, you know, maybe it, these days that, that label ADD is, is just kind of slapped on kids so easily and then associated with medication when the reality is it may just be that their attention needs to be captured in a little bit different way and that they're actually extremely intelligent and just bored at having to kind of follow suit with this, this almost robotic tendency that our education system has uh, when it comes to the way that they're teaching kids, the methodology 
And so I, I love that you are sensitive to his needs and are accommodating those and encouraging his intelligence. Uh, I think that's a beautiful thing. And again, that's going to translate in a variety of ways down the road. I, my son, who is now 16, I, he spent a good bit of time actually with a friend of ours growing up, at least during the days when we were photographing weddings and, and at other times. And she, even at a very young age, would engage him in conversation just as though he was she was chatting with another adult. And that, that, just that very simple behavior translated significantly to the point where at two years old, he was having adult level conversation. And, you know, a lot of two year olds are still kind of struggling to, to kind of put together sentences or at least do so in a way that's intelligible, not particularly conversational, but just because our friend was willing to engage him in conversation and observe the world around her and around him out loud he was able to develop his conversational abilities um, at a very, very young age. And again, that's translated to his abilities now in academics and his interest in, in writing and, and so forth. So I, I love that you're doing that, and I appreciate you sharing that with us as well. Tell us a little bit about your business and how that's been going. What are the, some of the challenges that you're facing and maybe some of the, the so-called victories that you've experienced as well? Okay, well, I guess I'll start off first by talking about the wedding photography business, which is undergoing a quite the transition. Well, I'll be rebranding by the end of the year, including my name and logo, all of that. And it's been something that I've been contemplating for a while. I've wanted to grow. And I don't know, for me, I, I felt limited still being under Latoya Dixon Photography. And I wanted to embrace a new brand that would speak a little bit more about what it is that I wanted to capture, who it is that I wanted to serve and how I was able, how I'm able to serve them. So um, I'm excited about it. It, it. It's been a scary time, I guess, because I, I definitely love to be in control of certain things, um, especially something that I've grown from the ground up, my, my wedding photography brand. But I have an amazing brand stylist and designer. Her name is Jessica Boyd of the Guild Agency. And she's actually done the branding for the Queen Photographers and some other work that I had early on in my, my wedding photography business. But it's just so amazing what happens when you're able, when you can trust uh, another professional to do the work that they, they do. And, and photographers, especially, you know, I, I know you talk about photographers edit and you know, having photographers relinquish the control of doing their own editing and and putting the trust in a, a company like Photographers Edit to to complete those edits for them to, for the consistency that they desire and the style that they desire. Uh, once you realize that it's okay to not be in control of everything and to hand it off to, to a professional person or professional service to do that for you, you realize you really and truly realize the benefit not only in getting the service done, but just the peace of mind that you have, that it's it's going to be done. It's going to be done in a timely manner. And so with my rebrand, I have just been so pleased with everything that she's done for me. And I can't wait to share that. So that's coming at the end of the year as I also prepare for taking my maternity leave, but also with Systems for Photographers. That really came about within the last few months or so. Like lit literally, I had a conversation with a mentor of mine and she basically told me, you know, Latoya, I feel like you're not really you're not really showing all of you. You're not really being transparent about exactly who you are. And what she meant by that is that 
not a lot of people in the in my creative circles know unless you know we've we've gone through that route of me sharing the backstory of where I've come from and what my career background is but I I I went to school for mechanical engineering and I started my career 5 years ago with a company a company that a lot of people know of but I never really shared that story of where I got started and my transition into the photography space and what I did there, I did a lot of operations management. I did a lot of supply chain management in that role. And so naturally, I am very good at creating and crafting systems and processes that really work for the betterment and for um, the optimization of any sort of business system. My field was more so into manufacturing, but it, tra- it you know the 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 methodologies are still the same, right? And so. She told me you really need to you really need to focus on what it is that you're really good at. Now I know that I'm I'm good at taking photos. I'm a photographer. I've been a photographer for the past you know three or four years. But I was trying to figure out how can I marry these two interests, these two passions, to really support and help folks. And so that's really how Systems for Photographers really began. And what I do now is I help photographers and other creatives because I've noticed that a lot of other creative types suffer from the same thing is that we feel like it's at least initially, we feel like we know, we know just enough about our processes to, to accept clients, to, to, to take on the work. But then it comes a point to where, you know, you, you have a load of clients, you know, your volume starts to pick up, or maybe even you're just really getting started and you have no idea how you want your business to run where you need a process, you need a system in place to facilitate what it is that you want to do and especially facilitate the experience for a client that you really want them to have. And so that's really how I'm able to support my clients through systems of photographers now. And it's been amazing because, you know, that, that light bulb does go off where people, you know, at first they feel really apprehensive about putting some sort of structure to their business. Like I'm a creative. I don't need structure. I don't need these constraints. I need to be free. That's the whole point of being a creative, right? But what you really come to understand is that when you do have a system in place or when you do have a process, it just gives you a lot more time and space and freedom to do more of the things that you really want to do creatively. It doesn't limit you at all. It actually helps you to structure you know, all the things that, that, that are not really creative things that you do in your business to give you more time and more, more flexibility to do the creative, the creative things that we love to do. Yeah, it's, it's very, very true. This is something we've talked about on the podcast before, and we'll get into this in even more detail today. But the reality, which is that artistic freedom and structure, or just being an artist and implementing structure, these are two concepts that are not mutually exclusive. And the reality is that if we do implement a certain level of discipline and structure in our businesses, it does translate to an incredible amount of freedom. And uh, I, I was I was actually, I think I was watching a piece yesterday, a YouTube video that uh, Casey Neistat posted. And it, it highlighted Jocko Willink, who is um, ex-military and has become quite well known for his level of discipline um, that, he, that he speaks about. He's got multiple books out. But he talked about the significance of discipline bringing freedom, that discipline does mm-hmm. translate to freedom. If you want more freedom financially, implementing discipline in your, in your personal life toward that, or in, in actually even in your, your professional life as well, 
toward that regard can translate to financial freedom. If you want more free time, then implementing discipline or structure in the way that you're running your business and managing your personal time can actually translate to more free time and so on and so forth. So I'm glad that you bring that point up. And and we're going to get back to this, but I actually want to ask you a little bit uh, or comment a little bit on the rebrand. This is kind of an interesting topic. You were talking about your your current wedding photography business and kind of making a transition in the direction of offering services or making sure that the brand reflects the services that you want to offer to potential clients. Can you talk a little bit about the direction that you're going? Are you going to be staying in wedding photography? Is it just a matter of communicating what that brand represents a little bit differently? What is that about? Yeah, it's totally and completely about messaging. I actually just chose Latoya Dixon Photography as my initial name because I couldn't think of anything else. <laughs> and what I really wanted to to move towards was a brand that really spoke to the types of clients that I've been fortunate to work with in the past and also reach out more to those who I would love to work with in the future. Um, so that, that everything from the name to you know, the brand design, all of the branding elements that Jessica has helped me create and craft and even just, you know, the byline to the company, to the new company name is really serving me to where that I am really clear on my messaging and who I'm communicating to and how I'm able to serve, how I'm even differentiating myself among other wedding photographers in this, in this area. And I think that's really what I needed because I I feel like when I haphazardly created my initial brand without a goal, without a direction, it just kind of, you know, I started out shooting kids and families and um, I I started doing weddings. And then I also incorporated some branding portraits. I was kind of all over the place. And I feel like that was hindering me from doing more of what I really wanted to do was being with couples. Even to this day, you know, I share that I only, the the portraits that I I photograph are mainly of couples. And I do not post anything, even if I I do like some work on the side with, with photographing families or anything, which is not very much, but I only showcase couples. That's really who I want to serve in, in this, in this business and in this brand. But I want to I want to ensure that the message the messaging is very clear and very concise and it reaches the exact person who I want to reach. And I think with the rebrand, that's really going to help me do that. As you mentioned, you know, I have a lot of different uh, hats and sides that I wear. And so having someone to help me get really clear because I was in I was in a really (laughs) I was in a really confuddled place before this happened. And when I went to her. And she was really great about, you know, taking all, we, we did like sort of a brain dump together. Of, yeah. What is it that you want to accomplish or what is it that you really want to do? And kind of helping me configure how I really, where the direction that I really wanted to go and giving me a sense of, okay, well, this is, um, these are some things that you could do and really aligning it where it needed to be for it to make sense, not only to me, but for it to make sense to my clients and customers, because I'd have people, you know, I have my Latoya Dixon Smith Instagram account and then my Latoya Dixon Weddings Instagram account, which right now. And so people would be tagging me um, from different accounts for different types of work. And I think everyone was just confused. (laughs) 
And so I didn't want, I didn't want that to happen. I know if people were confusing the brands on social media, they were probably confusing the brands when they talked about what it is that I did. No one really knew what Latoya Dixon did. They know she does a lot of different things, but I really wanted to be known as the wedding photographer in Greenville who really serviced couples who were craving that intimate connection and that were eager to create their own traditions. And that's really what I want to reflect both in the work that I show, but it also in the messaging that I deliver as well. And I think that's really important. Uh, you know, there, I've had so many conversations here in the podcast and elsewhere with photographers who, if you ask them what their brand is about, what their brand position is, or what their business actually offers, the response in many cases is, it's, I guess, just to put it simply, very muddled. There isn't real clarity on their part about how, at least how to communicate that effectively to myself or to the potential client and what that can translate to. I mean, I don't think it's problematic to have a business that does offer multiple services if you're able to effectively communicate what the business stands for and effectively ultimately market what that business stands for. But the problem then lies in how the photographer spends their day to day. And again, we're going to be talking about systems here in just a second. If you don't know exactly what it is that you're doing as a business or what goals you're reaching toward as a business, and you can very easily have those goals if you know what it is that you're offering, then that can translate to, it used the word haphazard earlier, and I love that word, that kind of a haphazard existence, a day-to-day existence or week-to-week existence as a photography business owner where you're doing a little bit of this and you're doing a little bit of that, and in many cases probably just reacting to whatever is incoming, and you're ultimately not running certainly the most efficient business possible and likely not the most successful business possible. You may be doing okay, but you're kind of you know straining to keep your head above water. And I think clarity with regards to brand position, I mean, if you can sum up with one sentence what your business is about, that kind of clarity can translate not only to more effective marketing efforts, but it can also translate to more efficiency in your business, knowing exactly what it is that you need to get done. And then, of course, that translates beautifully to understanding the significance of systems and knowing how to implement those systems to be even more efficient. And that, of course, translates to more freedom, more flexibility as a business owner. So I'm, I love that you brought this up. I love that you're finding clarity toward that regard. And um, I think it is a great example for our listeners that they need to pay really close attention to what their brand position is and ultimately spend a little bit of time clarifying that, not only for the sake of their potential clients, but also for the sake of freedom and flexibility in their own life. The other thing that you mentioned that I think is really important too is partnership with an outside company. And this is something, it made me think of a conversation that I had with my friend Thomas Flint back in episode 63. The the title of the episode is The Significance of Collaboration, but Thomas is a musician and he talked about the importance of collaboration with others when it comes to even well-known musicians or artists. And this idea that photographers kind of maybe subconsciously embrace at times, which is to, you know, I need to do everything myself. And this idea that I'm going to hand off something like, for example, post-production or editing to someone else to handle, it minimizes my significance or my hand as an artist, my eye as an artist. And the reality is very, very famous, not only photographers, but artists as a whole 
over time have become what they've become. We we know who they are because of collaboration with others. And there is wonderful opportunity to further our efforts in business by collaborating with others. And I'm glad that you highlighted that. I think it's so, so important for all of us, regardless of whether or not you choose to outsource editing or outsource editing to photographers edit. There are opportunities as a business owner to, to collaborate, to delegate, to work with others, and you can ultimately be better for it. And I love that you, that you highlighted that. All right, so you talked, though, about systems. And I actually have, and by the way, for those of you listening in, I want to mention Latoya's website so you get a chance to take that, to check them out. And we'll make sure to link those in the show notes. LatoyaDixon.com is the photography website. And then LatoyaDixonSmith.com, the systems website. And on the about page or the about section of your systems website, you said something in a, in a paragraph, and I'll just read this out loud, and I want to discuss this a little bit, but you said, we all want to be efficient. We all want to maximize our time so that we can do more of what we love. That is what I bring into the photography world from my engineering role filled with processes and system for creating lean business entities. And I, we're going to get to how you're doing that for photographers, and then, of course, more specifically, how you're doing this for your own business as it, re, as it relates to the onboarding of clients here in just a little bit. But I'm going to ask what may seem like a rhetorical question, but do you think that photographers actually want to be efficient? I mean, I, I would certainly say I want to be efficient. I know you would say the same. If you talk to photographers about the notion of time savings and working efficiently and maximizing your flexibility as a business owner, they'll kind of nod their heads or say, yeah, I want that too. But their their behavior then doesn't really seem to kind of back that up. Do you think there's enough of a desire on the part of photography business owners to be efficient? Or do you think they're just so comfortable in the way that they work that they don't mind being busy uh, in the process? I think it's just a matter of language and communication. So speaking in terms of a photographer, most of us, we want more clients because more clients means more income, right? What we come to realize is that more clients mean it means more work that we have to do. Um, it means more work on getting clients in the door. It means getting more clients that we have to photograph. It means more clients work that we have to edit. And then depending on what your um, your process is after that, you know, maybe you're doing some in-person sales or even you're trying to upsell um, digital files or what have you. It, it, it translates to more work, period. And no one ever wants to feel burnt out, but we all want more, right? We want more of something, whether we want to m- have more impact, more revenue, there's something that we would have to change in our process where it, we're increasing our prices and, and not shooting as much or taking on more clients. There's something that has to change to where we need to compensate for what it is that we really want. So I find that I, I generally start that conversation with my clients is clients and figuring out what it is that they want. Some people don't want to shoot anymore hmm. than they already are but they do want to uh, sustain themselves in their business. You know, they want to make enough money to where they can continue doing what they do. And so whether it's, you know, you want to grow, whether you're just starting out and you want to build your clientele or maybe, you know, like the, I had a, a client, a social media manager, she actually wanted to be more selective in her clients, take on less clients, but have a better experience um, that costs more. And so we worked on a process for her. 
So I think if you approach it as, you know, hey, do you want to be more efficient in your business? Most people are like, yeah, I, I guess I could. But if you if you tell the story and if you communicate it in a way that really speaks more to really what the desires of the photographer is, uh, yeah, because it can always be different, then they'll really they'll put two and two together and see, oh, okay, well, in order to get there, I need uh, some sort of structure, some sort of method in place that I can follow to get me there that I'm not currently doing because what's working, what's what I'm doing right now isn't necessarily working. And so there's something that I need, some sort of missing puzzle piece that kind of puts it all together. And for me and for my clients, it's, it's implementing those systems and recognizing what the processes are if they even have one. <laughs> and, and that, so this is this is wonderful, and, it, and honestly, it's a good reminder for me too. Uh, I have a tendency of having a good idea and bringing it to the world, and assuming that they are going to know how brilliant an idea it is, and they should just automatically absorb it and apply it and run with it. I mean, in all honesty, if if photographers, a lot of photographers, were to take everything that we've talked about here on the Boca Podcast, in fact, if they were to take everything with regards to efficiency and workflow and time management that we've talked about in just say four or five of the episode of the almost 200 episodes that we've put out, it would make just drastic, drastic differences to their lives, to their businesses. But you bring up a really interesting point, which is that just sharing information isn't necessarily appealing enough to probably many, if not most people, you have to appeal to a, a particular value proposition, which is relevant to their lives. And this is a great lesson just when it comes to marketing in general. In fact, I was also watching something yesterday from Gary Vaynerchuk. And uh, Gary's been quite an inspiration to, to me and to my business and uh, over the last year or two in particular. But one of the things he, he was talking about, and he was doing basically some live consulting with a group of people. And he was saying to this one person he's, that they were limiting themselves or limiting their business by only speaking, say, one message, that in fact, he needed to be to be putting marketing ads or, or ads out there that spoke a variety of messages. Because at the end of the day, for example, if you're trying to target a 25 to 45 year old uh, female, which is kind of our target audience, and it's a broad audience, and of course we we segment that down. But if if you're just simply targeting a twenty five to forty five year old female audience, that audience is made up of a variety of people whose nostalgia, for example, looks different. Different people can relate to different TV shows growing up. Uh, this is something that Gary speaks to a lot as well. Uh, maybe their interests right now are going to vary. In fact, they will vary drastically the 25-year-old's interests from the 45-year-old's or even the 35-year-old's. And so the notion that we can speak one message as a company trying to market a particular service or product and that that's going to appeal to that massive, very broad, broad audience is a misnomer, right? So that was a good reminder for me yesterday, but I think you're building on the idea here again, which is that we can't simply tell somebody that something is valuable and expect them to embrace it. We have to speak their language. We have to understand what it is. And, and you said what they want. What is it that they actually want? Understanding what they want, then you can speak to the value that this service that you offer brings to that desire, to that kind of long-term goal. And then you're able to help them implement a workflow around that particular goal. And I think that makes a lot of sense. And so I have to thank you for that reminder. It's a good reminder for me. And um, I'm sure it's a great reminder for all of our listeners too, when it comes to marketing their services to potential clients. But 
When it comes to changing workflow, you're talking about implementing systems. I mean, a photographer is going to have to change what they're doing in order to gain time back. I think maybe this almost answers itself. I understand that if somebody's motivated enough to achieve a particular goal, they they will make the change. But what I've found again over the years is that most photographers are apprehensive about making change in their workflow, even if at the other end of that change or the other side of that change, you know, they've got an extra 10 or 20 hours in their week. How do you help them make that change uh, without overwhelming them to the extent that they're just, they kind of give up and walk away? Well, one of the things that I do, um, or one of the, the first things that we do together when I work with a client is go over what their current workflow is, if they have one. If they have one, it makes it a lot easier for them for for them and also for me to see where there are some areas of opportunity where they're either spending too much time, too much money, or they're just doing things that really have no purpose being in that sort of workflow. But especially for the clients who already have somewhat of an existing workflow, um, it really helps for them to vocalize what those those points are that I mentioned, as opposed to me just, you know, giving suggestions of what they could change and, okay, do this and do that and do that differently. Um, we walk through every single step of the process. And then I, I do ask questions, really prompting questions that really helps them to think a little bit more critically about why, why am I doing this? Um, not to say that everything that they're doing is wrong, but you have uh, an intentional reason for behind what it is that you're doing. It makes sense to you and it makes sense to the client who's going to be, you know, going through this process. And so giving the client or giving the photographers the ability to see what that is and how the changes are going to really affect their workflow. If it's going to save them time, if it's going to save them money, if it's going to be a better experience for the client and having them vocalize it, even if I'm making a suggestion, having them really understand why it is that they, they're doing it. I think that's the point, the purpose of going through the process together, going through that workflow together and, and creating a system together is so that you they feel in control and uh. they understand exactly why it is that they're doing it. Because um, I don't know, maybe it's just a basic psychology thing, but whenever you know, you can read all the self-help books that you want, all the business books. But if it doesn't really resonate with you and you don't, if you don't feel like you're the one in control and making that decision, even if you're not really, but if you don't feel like you're the one in control of that situation, it's not gonna, it's not gonna resonate as well as it, as it will if you're the one saying, okay, I understand. I've made this connection. I'm going to make the change. And it's something that I created myself. So there's a little bit of psychology to it, but once that connection is made and once, you know, that realization is made and they're the one saying, okay, well, I see that what I'm doing right now doesn't really make sense. So this is what I'm going to do to change it. Or at least, you know, I would like to change it. What do you suggest? And then I'm able to come in and really consult in that manner. That's really, really good. You know, as much as we hear that love makes the world go around. Uh, ultimately, psychology drives that love. Psychology is really what I think largely makes the world go around and understanding how yeah. people think, what they believe and how that translates. And when I say believe, of course, not just religiously, but just what they believe. Literally everything that we do on a day-to-day -day basis is made up of a belief or beliefs. 
uh, you know, I, I put my laptop down on this stand-up desk that I'm standing at currently because I believe that it's going to hold it up. And fortunately, that belief has some substance, right? It, it has held my laptop up. But literally, everything that we do is driven by a belief or a set of beliefs, understanding those beliefs, that psychology that drives not only what we do and developing certain level of self-awareness is important for our personal health, for our business health, but then also understanding how our clients or potential clients think and then gearing our marketing and ultimately our business to not necessarily support that, but to empathize with those belief systems, that psychology that drives their behavior uh, is really, really important. So I'm glad that you have shined a light on that. And again, it, it's it's a really wonderful reminder for me um, to to have that level of empathy and to learn to speak the language of a potential client, to understand what it is that they want. I mean, I was literally making notes as you're talking, so this has been absolutely wonderful already. You talked specifically about handling clients, um, particularly as your business grows, you have more and more clients, the workflow becomes a little bit more complicated and a little bit heavier. And I'd love to really dial in and, and talk specifically about workflow or systems specifically that enable you to efficiently manage your clients um, so that our listeners might be able to take some of those ideas and implement them in their business. Before we get to that, though, I'd love for you to maybe just very simply define or, or tell me what your definition of systems is so that our listeners can make a little bit of sense of it for the sake of their business. Because I think the idea the word systems almost feels corporate, you know? Yeah. It's, so I, tell us a little bit about how you define that word and what that means for the sake of a photographer. I define a system quite simply as any action that I take in my business and how they all fit together. So you think about a puzzle piece, right? You mm. know, they all have their own sort of um, visual component that they provide. Um, and you know that when you when you finally put the, all the pieces together, it's going to create an entire picture. Um, that's essentially what a system does for you. Uh, a system takes everything that you're, you're doing in your business, anything from how you are generating clients how you're managing your leads and even onboarding clients to, you know, moving through your sessions or your, your events, um, weddings and things like that. How is everything working together in trying to think about it? Not just in, you know, it's good to, to compartmentalize like different workflows that just makes things, you know, more, more uh, bite-sized and manageable, but ultimately you're trying to fit all of these different components together so that people understand, you know, what is it that your business does? Who is it that you serve? And what is the experience that you're going to deliver to your clients or customers? And so quite simply, that's how I would define a system is just putting all of those pieces together. And I think, I mean, obviously it's relevant to any photographer listening in. We all have those pieces that make up what our business ultimately is. And, the question is, how can we, well, first of all, and, and maybe you can speak to this too. One of the things that I talk about when, when I get into the topic of workflow and efficient workflow with photographers is whether or not a, a component of their workflow is even necessary. I, I like to remove any unnecessary component of that workflow if, it's, if, it, if it doesn't actually add value to the brand, to the business, get rid of it, minimize the number of moving parts, if you will. And, um, and then with what's remaining, organizing them in such a way that you're able to work most efficiently 
uh, it, it ultimately makes up the complete puzzle as you described so eloquently. And, and I think that's a really, really great picture for our listeners. But talk to us about the significance of these systems as it relates to managing clients. And, and maybe you can comment too, if you don't mind, on the, the significance or the importance of removing any unnecessary steps in that workflow to kind of minimize stress, to maximize efficiency. Yeah. So this is really where my background as an operations manager really comes in. Um, we had significant amount of training in learning how to map out, you know, value, um, value mapping, value mapping and taking a look at a process. For instance, you know, I worked in a facility that we we made gas engines, gas turbines. And so we would take, you know, say a product line or uh, an assembly line, and we looked at every single operation in that in that assembly line and tried to figure out, you know, how much time did it take here? You know, how much product was the, the person on the line using? What sort of tools did they need? Each individual step and looking at it from a really like micro view at each individual process step. And seeing, okay, where was their waste? Waste in time, waste in materials, you know, waste in the manpower that we had. Like at each individual step, we would look at what their waste was. So we talk about where there's non-value add. So that's non-value added work that was going into this, this process. And then overall, you would find that, you know, just saving like a minute or two in each individual process step could translate into thousands of dollars when you think about creating an entire turbine, which is your your system, right? So when you think about it in terms of your photography business, whether it's, you know, how much time am I spending on social media? Am I just going on there to scroll and just, you know, just to mindlessly um, engage or even not engage, just mindlessly look at whatever people are posting Or am I taking the time to look for clients, potential clients, or engage with clients? Or am I scheduling? Am I being more efficient in that sort of process? And then maybe you you talk about, you know, what is the process for when someone reaches out to you? You know, how long does it take for you to even schedule that initial call? Do you have, you know, a scheduling service or scheduling tool that you use to get them on the phone Or are you going back and forth in emails trying to get something worked out? And by, you know, two weeks later, you realize you've you've exchanged like 10 emails and you still haven't met with the client. Even, you know, up until the point where you're editing those photos, are you doing it yourself? Are you really good at editing? How efficient are you? Are there things that you could do to save time, whether it's, you know, even in your the way that you shoot or, you know, are you trying to optimize um, how much time or work that you're spending in the back end where you're in that editing process. And so what a system really does when we go through workflows together, we, we look at those individual process steps and see, you know, what is it one that you're, that you're good at? What is it that you like to do? And maybe we just focus on you improving how you're operating at those steps. And then for the places that you're not really strong at or that you don't really like doing, can you automate it or can you outsource it or delegate it? And so that's really what, um, when we come up with a workflow together and incorporating different tools to help you in, in, in crafting and formulating a system that works for you in your business, that's really how we kind of look at each process point and process step to where one, 
is everything that I'm doing at this step, is this, is this adding value? Um, are there ways that I can, you know, optimize what I'm doing here? Is it something that I'm actually good at? Is it something that I want to do? Is it something that I can outsource or delegate to someone else? So that's kind of the basic thought process behind how we, how we formulate and craft a system. That's really, really great. And it's funny, actually, to listen to you describe these, uh, this process of getting rid of what isn't necessary, what isn't valuable, and then with what's left over, either figure out a way to get more efficient at it or become better at it or to then automate it t- to delegate it. I mean, this is an almost exact mirror of some of the, the talks that I've given to photographers um, in time past and years past. So we're very much on the same page here. And I love that. But take us to a client workflow, managing clients. How do these concepts apply to not only onboarding potential clients, but then managing that client load on an ongoing basis for the sake of efficiency? Because and I've mentioned this a number of times, I, I think now on, on recent podcast episodes, but I, I look at the way that, that wedding photographers in particular, and that's the world that I know best. Um, I shot weddings primarily, a little bit of portrait work, but primarily weddings for about a decade. And I look now at the way that photographers are spending their time or saying that they're spending their time. They talk about being so busy. And if you're shooting, you know, 20 to 30 weddings a year, that's a, that's a heavy workload and that there is a lot of work associated with, you know, that 20 to 30 weddings. But the reality is you could probably get it done within 15 to 20 hours a week and you'd have a lot of freedom and flexibility. Instead of that being the case, though, it sounds like a lot of photographers are working way more. At least they make it sound like they're working way more, that they're overloaded with so much to do. And I honestly don't think it's necessary. I think the life of a wedding photographer, if you're being intelligent about it, um, can bring a lot of success and, and happiness, but it can also bring a lot of freedom and a lot of flexibility if you're implementing the right systems. So how do these principles then apply to managing these clients um, that, that, that our listeners have in an efficient way so that they do have much more freedom, much more flexibility in their life? Okay. So I will tell you that one of the, the most beneficial investments that I made earlier this year was, I don't know if I talked about it on the last episode or not, but I hired a, a friend of mine. Um, her name is Ayana Vaughn of the Lovely Financials, but she is um, she works in the financial space. So she helps creative entrepreneurs, especially um, with their their bookkeeping and their finances. However, at the time, she was offering a service that would help me to craft a schedule. And so I, I just quickly pulled up my my calendar here, and quite honestly, there is not a lot of of actual wedding time that I have blocked into my calendar. You know, a lot of it is, is marketing. A lot of it is, you know, relationships and outreach. Some of it is even just brainstorming. We talked about, you know, scheduling in time just to be creative. I have time built into my schedule to brainstorm. So I would totally agree with, you know, for someone who feels like, and and also I don't really like the word busy either, <laughs> Um, because I, I know that sometimes we, we use the word busy as a blanket for just doing things that aren't really intentional and that really don't really serve us in ways other than just to make sure that we're just, we're just doing the do. But I would say that one, you need to know what you need to start with. What is it that you need to do, like need to do to run your business, whether it's, you know, 
your finances or editing or, you know, checking emails and responding to clients, like figuring out what exactly do you have to be doing. And I think starting with building out your schedule that way will actually show you areas where you're either wasting time, you're not really spending your time efficiently, or you're just doing things that don't really add value. They're not making you money. They're not getting generating you more leads. They're not really doing anything other than just giving you something to do. And so starting there would be my first suggestion. And, and I have to jump in here because this is an interesting point. Um, and I would agree kind of at the, the upper level, but I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. W- one of the things that I suggest to photographers is that they break down their day into, mm-hmm. I mean, literally list every single thing that they do in their day, taking a shower, eating breakfast, you know, working out, oh, yeah. doing email, so forth. But once they've made that massive list, then tagging each of those items proactive and reactive. And and for the sake of simplicity, a proactive task being something that is either on a personal level, helping them accomplish a a long-term goal, cross something off their bucket list, on a business level, something that is going to actually move their business forward, increase their bottom line, get them more clients more specifically. So when, when we're asking the question, what do you need to do? If you were to ask that question just like that to a lot of photographers, I think there you, you may get mixed answers because there's a perceived need and then there's an actual need, number one. And then two, when you're looking at that that thing that needs to be done, the reality is that much of it probably doesn't actually translate directly to increasing their bottom line or booking another client. And much of it doesn't even need to be done by the photographer. It can be delegated, as you pointed out earlier. So would you say that that crafting that question in such a way that it, it kind of encourages the photographer to consider what act, not only actually needs to be done, um, but that it actually translate to growth in their business uh, would be a more impactful way to ask that question. What's been your experience in that regard? I think also, you know, once, like you said, once you've asked someone to kind of draft out what are they doing from the time that they wake up to the time that they lay their head down to go to sleep, Um, And looking at, you know, where, like we talked about, what is the value added here? And it may not always be like a dollar amount. It may not always be a time amount, but sometimes like, for instance, when I have relationships and outreach, I know that relationships and outreach is where a lot of my business comes from. So I have to, to think about, okay, of the things that I do, what am I really good at? Like we talked about before, what am I really good at? What is something that I can tangibly say that I have generated more leads from, something that, you know, other people can tell others about, whether it's that, you know, LaToya, she's really good at making people feel really comfortable in front of the camera. LaToya is really good at strategically thinking about how a system can really help me in my business. Like, what is it that I know that I'm good at? And I think when you when you ask people what it is that they're good at, it really forces them to be honest with themselves. You know, I can I can sit here and, you know, tell you to to list out all the things that you you think you should be doing, and that's what I did with with Ayana. We 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 mapped out, okay, what are the things that I think I should be doing? Okay, what are the things that are actually producing something, you know, other than, you know, just you checking off the box there. And when we go forward from that, and that's, this is really why I like to to sit with clients and talk about what are the thing, what are the things that, what are your strengths, and really getting an understanding of how they are really showing up and the best ways that they're showing up, and figuring out okay, 
these are the things that you you told me that you're good at. These are the things that you told me that you, sh- you think you should be doing. And all of the rest of this stuff is stuff that either you don't really have to do um, because it's, there is no value add and you, you're not able to tangibly tell me what has come from these efforts, what has come from these activities. Those are the things that you need to delete or delegate. So I always like to think about the, it's called the Eisenhower matrix. And basically it's just a scale. It's like a four block scale where you can take any task or any action that you, you're doing and you rate it on importance. So is it important? Is it not important? And is it urgent? And is it not urgent? So a lot of the things that we find ourselves doing are not important and they're not urgent. And those are the things that we need to get rid of. When you kind of take all of these activities that we're doing in our business and you kind of compare it and throw it up against that Eisenhower matrix, you can kind of see where you're really spending the time that you um, is going to be most beneficial or you're just kind of spending time just to be spending time. Um, and so not to oversimplify the answer to that question, but I really find that it's a combination of finding out, you know, what your strengths are and what's important to you, what's important to your clients and also what's urgent. That's good. So I, and I like the fact that you're focusing on the, the idea of their strengths um, and, and what they enjoy, because the reality I, I realized, you know, a lot of photographers, they may be open to, and some of our listeners may be open to the idea that, okay, you know what, I need to update my workflow or change my workflow because I know that I can save time, but I'm apprehensive giving up control. I'm apprehensive changing my workflow because even though I'm really busy, I'm very comfortable in it. I know it. I know what's going on. If you take this away from me and you change things up, you're sticking me in an environment that's not comfortable anymore. And so I'm less likely to move in that direction. And so the idea that you give photographers or encourage photographers to hone in on what they're good at and what they enjoy doing and let that be part of their workflow, I think is a really great idea. Uh, I tend to be a little bit more kind of pragmatic and and black and white about it. And I say, does it make money? Does it not make money? Um, Mm -hmm. Let's start there. And and I realize that, um, I mean, certainly, and and, and this is definitely the case uh, for me and and our company and, and business and I would assume for most of the photographers listening in, business isn't just about the money. But the reality is that we got into business for ourselves largely. It may Photographers may use different words to describe it, but largely for the, the potential freedom and flexibility, the, the so-called control um, that we can have as business owners because we don't have some you know, corporate office telling us what to do or how to spend our time. But unfortunately, photographers are running their businesses in such a way that it's just running them into the ground. And, yeah. um, and so I, I speak maybe a little bit more pragmatically there. I love your empathy and understanding what a photographer wants to spend their time on. And I think it is important to, to, to emphasize that, first of all. But then you also mentioned the significance then of once you've identified what needs to be done, what of those things that need to be done are things that you enjoy doing, uh, once you've done those two things, then that you can automate, you can simplify, you can delegate these these other things, kind of like I've talked about in the past, and, and I love that you're kind of reiterating these ideas. Um, that's really that's a really great head start toward minimizing the unnecessary and finding a little bit of freedom, flexibility in that workflow, working with clients, and really any element of your business. These are important questions to be asking, and and so I love that you highlight those. Are, are there any, once you've had a, a photographer, you're working with a photographer as a client and you're helping them with their systems, you've helped them ask these questions. 
what's a, a good next step? What's something tangible or practical, applicable that they can go do right now, especially for our listeners? They've, they've taken time to sit down and they've identified their values. They understand where they want to take their business. They've figured out whether or not they need to be spending time on these various things that they're spending time on. They know what they're good at, so they're going to start spending more of their time on those things. They're getting rid of the, the unnecessary, but they're also automating, they're simplifying, they're delegating. What's the next step then in that workflow or one of the most impactful moves that they can make in managing their clients? Well, at least after their work with me, like they have, they have to be committed. I tell them, you know, you have to be committed to actually doing the work. It's great for us to sit down and you get clarity around how things would be in an ideal state. It's great to, you know, get the feedback that I deliver via summaries and the flow charts that I produce for the clients. But none of it really makes a difference if you don't actually implement it. If you don't, you know, make the change today a little at a time. And of course, you know, when when I talked about, you know, what is it that you should be doing? I guess I kind of inherently assume that we were talking about what are what are the things that make make us money. And so when you go back, that what the next step would be is, like we said, you know, what at, at each of these different operations or each of these different activities that you're working on your business, if you have assigned a value, how on however sort of scale that you want to define it, whether it's a dollar amount, whether it's a time savings, um, or even if it's something to where you you know you're going to make your client happier, if it's going to make their experience better, start there. You know, start with what's most important, what's most important, probably from a client facing standpoint, because most of the things that I help clients with or my clients with through systems for photographers is how to make that client experience better. And that includes, you know, what you're doing in the back end to get there, because a lot of the times it's, you know, the problems that I I hear from photographers. Oh, well, you know, I had a client waiting an extra two weeks on their photos or, you know, they didn't really understand how the process worked and yada, yada, yada. Um, the next step is figuring out what are what is going to be the most value added in that process and, and what we've discovered and what we've taken the time to look at very from a high level point of view and going back in to make that change. If it's a client onboarding experience, is it, you know, you think about what does it take a client to move from a prospective client to a book client? That's where you're making your money, right? So what happens in between those two process points and what do you need to do or what uh, could you be doing in, in between those process steps to improve that experience, to ensure that you're closing on a rate that you want to be and, and taking a look at, you know, what, what other areas of your business that you're working in, what areas of your workflow that are really lacking and maybe you're you're wasting time, which means that you're not able to accept another client or onboard another client or be working on the next client project. Because it, it, that's really why the system works. That's really why a system is important, so that you can have multiple clients in your in your pipeline, and that nobody no one is missing a step, um, and that you're not missing a step, and in turn causing your clients, you know, some sort of. Uh, uncomfortable or unpleasant experience. So uh, once we've gone through and identified what are those action steps that need to take place, figuring out where is there the most value being added or non-value being added, where's the most time savings or 
a client experience that could be uh, expanded upon and then going towards those and actually making the change. And, you know, you mentioned the significance of knowing the step. And, and when you were defining systems earlier, the idea that a system is, is a, it is the, the puzzle, right? You've got a, a multiple piece puzzle here, which represents your business. And that is essentially the system. Um, the other way you can look at it, of course, is that each piece of that puzzle is a system in and of itself. And together, um, that then creates your business. And I think that's more what you were alluding to in that case. But the, the other way to look at it, the word systems, is that it's a, it is a repeatable process. In fact, that's one of the, the right. value adds of a system is that you know what needs to be done because you do the same thing every single time. If For those of you listening in who've not read The E-Myth or The E-Myth Revisited, it is a book largely about bil- building a scalable business. And part of building a scalable business is implementing systems or r- repetitive tasks that you carry out every single time in order to get something done. And that kind of repetition means that you know that particular thing is going to get done every single time in likely the same way. And uh, there's always opportunity to, to tweak those uh, those individual tasks or those elements of the system to continue to improve them. But that is another significant value add of a system that you know that thing's going to get done because you do it the same way every single time. And so I just wanted to highlight that. But this is such a loaded topic. And I know that just you and I, just because we're passionate about this topic, we could talk about it for easily for another hour uh, or maybe even more. But I think it's a great introduction to to this topic. And I I think it's also a great introduction to you, Latoya, uh, and your expertise in this realm. And I want to make sure that we send our listeners to where you're at, um, especially so that if they they need um, your consulting and their business, trying to figure out how to implement more efficient workflows so they've got more time in their life. I mean, that's so much of what, certainly what Photographer's Edit is about and much of what Boca Podcast is about is ultimately creating more freedom, more flexibility in our lives as business owners. And uh, so you're, you're highlighting things that are extremely important to us. So I would love for you to share for our listeners where they can find you online, certainly in social media, your websites we mentioned earlier, but specifically where they can come and find more information about um, your consulting services with regards to creating systems in their business. Absolutely. And thank you again, um, Nathan, for having me on it. Like you said, you know, I could, I could go down a a really deep um, rabbit hole (laughs) talking about this stuff, but you can certainly find me at my website, LatoyaDixonSmith.com. And I really love Instagram. So find me at LatoyaDixonSmith. And we also have the Systems for Photographers community, um, which you can find us on Facebook as well. Perfect. And we'll make sure to link to all these in the show notes. And by the way, for those of you listening in, if you, if there is a particular element of workflow and systems in your business that you're really curious about, it, because we did kind of hit this topic from uh, a 30,000 foot level today, that maybe you'd like to have Latoya come back on the podcast and share. I know I'm just, I'm, I'm volunteering you here, Latoya. Um, on air, but I, don't I, mind. <laughs> I, I love I, I love the conversation and and I love the 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 heart that you have behind all of this as well. And I think that there's a lot that we might be able to do together for the sake of the industry moving forward. Uh, don't hesitate to email me Nathan at photographersedit.com if you have specific questions with regards to workflow and systems. 
And uh, there may be an opportunity in the future where we can we can dig into those more specifics with Latoya on a future episode or maybe a Workflow Wednesday episode. Uh, don't hesitate to email me, Nathan at PhotographersEdit.com. Also, make sure to check out the show notes um, that I've alluded to a couple of times here on the podcast today, but Boca, B-O-K-E-H, podcast.com. Thank you again, Latoya, for making time for the Boca Podcast listeners today. Thanks for having me. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca Podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. Come